This program is being monitored by Spirit for quality purposes. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a trans-denominational podcast. Everyone is welcome and safe here, no matter what your faith is or isn't. Hello, my name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained trans-denominational minister, director of Oblates Perpetual Light, a shamanic light worker specializing in intuitive quantum and angelic healing, a studying Kabbalist, and a life coach. I firmly believe that the divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we'll explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Bless you and enjoy the show. The views and opinions expressed by the host, moi, are solely, which I mean that literally, mine. Any and all content provided is my opinion and is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. I always recommend that you, the listener, further investigate, contemplate, and meditate on everything that is shared. ISEs, individual soul experiences, will vary. Listening discretion is advised. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. How are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are well and blessed. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for finding us. It is my Deepest hope and sincerest prayer that you find everything that you're searching for on podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for being a longtime listener, lover, and supporter of the show. It is because of you that this show is here. So a quick show of hands. How many of you have heard of Irina Sendler, S-E-N-D-L-E-R, a Polish Catholic social worker? <laughs> no worries. I was right there with you until Spirit uh, tapped me on this one. This is just beyond a truly amazing story of a truly, truly amazing being. Her name is Irena, I-R-E-N-A, Sindler, S-E-N-D-L-E-R. Again, a Polish Catholic social worker born in excuse me, February 15th, 1910 in Warsaw, Poland, and she died May 12th of 2008 in Warsaw, Poland. At the tender, tender young age of 98 years young. So I looked and looked after Spirit introduced me to her, tapped me on this one and said, you know, this is is a show that needs to be done. Um, I had a difficult time finding any kind of extensive information on her. Most of the information I found was like, maybe a half a page or a paragraph or nothing very extensive. So I did find an article by uh, a Dr. Jack Mayer uh, of the National Endowment for Humanities that he wrote this, um, I believe it was back in 2020, he wrote this article 
Uh, and of course, a lot of the article has about him and his journey into finding who she was. But all in all, it is the most extensive and the most um, information I could find. So I will be sharing that article with you here on the show today. And of course, as always, I will have a link in the show description for this article. So the article begins between 1942 and 1943. One year, just one year, folks. Sindler and her network of 10 compatriots, so her and 10 other people, rescued 2,500 2,500 Jewish children from the Warsaw Ghetto. Disguised as an infectious control nurse, Sindler knocked on doors in the ghetto, asking parents and grandparents to give up their children and grandchildren so that she could smuggle them out. Each child was given a new Polish name and a forged identity papers and hidden in foster homes, orphanage and excuse me, orphanages and convents. Sindler insisted that list of the children be kept documenting their Jewish and Polish names so that after the war, they would be known by their original identities. So she hid these lists in milk jars that were buried in the backyard of one of her co-conspirators. And she did this so after the war, if the parents and grandparents wanted to find these children, they would be able to do that. So, of course, this is during World War II with the, the whole Hitler, Nazis, and all of that rigmarole um, that went on. So, of course, if you were a, a Jew or a Jewish descent, you were in jeopardy, uh, grave danger. After the war, Poland's communist government persecuted members of Poland's wartime resistance, Zagoda, which was the name of the resistance movement that Irina was part of. And... They were harassed, they were interrogated, they were imprisoned, and even many were executed. Sindler and others who rescued Jews during the war kept silent. Almost no one knew of Sindler and her heroism. She would have remained an unsung hero were it not for three, which I've also heard four, uh, teenage American girls who discovered her forgotten story 60 years later. Liz, Megan, and Sabrina, who began as students of history for a National History Day competition, became recorders of history, championing, excuse me, championing Sindler's legacy in Poland, the U.S., and around the world. Three teenagers from rural Kansas helped crack open the silence about the Holocaust in Poland. So on one of the blips of information that I was uh, looking at and trying to get information for this show, uh, said that the four girls, um, not three, uh, the teacher for them uh, was talking to him about this competition, this National History Day competition, and the girls were kind of stumped as to who they should do a story about, who they should do their project about. And the teacher recommended Irina Sindler. He had heard of her to some extent, but had never actually researched or studied her himself. So because of this, you know, spirit moving in spirit's ways, um, these girls did this competition and Irina became known all around the world. So the article continues. My first brush with this story came in the winter of 2001 in my Middlebury, Vermont pediatric office. 
while going through my mail. This was before the electronic health record, and I, I daily tri triage excuse me, a prodigious stack of paper. Everything had about three seconds to be kept, filed, recycled, or thrown away. I am a member of the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. Each year I send a contribution, and they send me a calendar highlighting 12 monthly Holocaust heroes. As I quickly flipped through, I was brought up a short by November entry. It was the photo that stopped me, a young Irina Sindler, 29 years old, who looked a lot like my niece. I read the short paragraph below the photo, and this is the paragraph. Irina Sindel Roa, 1916 to unknown. As head of the children's division of Zagoda, the Polish Underground Council for Aid to Jews, social worker Irina Sindelower, code name Jolanta, helped smuggle more than 2,500 Jewish children out of the Warsaw Ghetto, hiding them in orphanages, convents, schools, hospitals, and private homes. She provided each child with a new identity, carefully recording in code their Jewish names, and placements so that surviving relatives could find them after the war. Arrested by the Gestapo in the fall of 1943, Sindelauer was sentenced to death. Zagoda rescued her before her execution. She assumed a new identity and continued her work for Zagoda. I was stunned. I'm a child of a Holocaust survivors. How could I have not known about Irene Sindler's story? Everybody knows Oskar Schindler, who rescued 1,100 Jews from a German concentration camp in Poland, and whose story was told in Steven Spielberg's film Schindler's List. Even the USHMM, the permanent scholars of the Holocaust, didn't know about much about Schindler. They had her birth year wrong. It was 1910, I later found out. And they didn't know if she was still alive. I kept this calendar in a file labeled Interesting Stuff. And there it sat for almost three years. Then in February 2004, I came into my office one night to see a sick child. On my desk, someone had left a copy of the Ladies Home Journal, open to an article, The Woman Who Loved Children. It was about Irina Sindler and three Kansas teens who uncovered her story. The article explained that in 1999, while planning a National History Day project, they found a brief, brief excuse me, reference to Sindler in a U.S. News and World Report article entitled The Other Schindlers. Schindler's story inspired their NHD project, a play they wrote and performed called Life in a Jar. It retold in dramatic form the emotional story of Schindler knocking on ghetto doors and asking Jewish parents to give up their children to save them. The title, Life in a Jar, refers to the list Schindler buried. The teens read that Irina had been arrested in 1943 by the Gestapo and tortured in a Pawiak prison, the most notorious prison in the ghetto, from which almost no one escaped. Logically, they began searching cemetery records and reached out to the Jewish Foundation for the Righteous, seeking information about where she might be buried. Soon after, they received a letter from the Foundation saying that Sindler was alive. She was in her 90s and living in poverty with her daughter-in-law in Warsaw. Foundation then put them in touch with Sindler. So bless these girls. This woman it, who did all of these things is living in poverty or was living in poverty at the time. 
the three students made plans to travel to Poland and meet Sindler, first trying to raise money through candy sales until a philanthropist and Holocaust survivors from Kansas City Jewish community stepped in to help cover the trip. Bless them. Traveling out of the country for the first time, the first time on a plane for one of them, the girls finally met Sindler at her Warsaw home in 2001. They maintained a tender friendship with her for the next seven years until she passed, making several trips to Poland to visit her, each time performing Life in a Jar at various venues. And they began working with Polish high school students who were telling the forgotten stories of rescuers from their own communities. As I read the Ladies Home Journal article, I remembered on that calendar, this story now took on a new dimension. I've been a closet writer most of my life, and I was thinking about writing a novella about the Warsaw Ghetto. Irina Sindler seemed like a compelling character, and I wanted to know more about her. I was also intrigued by the two stories, Irina's wartime history and the contemporary story of the three Kansas teens. I called their teacher in Kansas, Norm Con Connard. It's serendipitous that you should call, he said. We're looking for someone to write these two stories. I hesitated. I had not written nonfiction before, only fiction and poetry, but I felt the powerful synergy of these two stories. I was not eager to write a wartime history of a Holocaust hero because most Holocaust literature leaves me angry, sad, depressed, and frustrated. But this story was different an inspiring story of three typical American teenagers who helped restore the history of a great hero. I agreed to write the story and in 2004 visited Uniontown, Kansas, where the girls went to school, a small town with a population of 264. It was down on its luck. Many stores were shuttered. It had the look of a Dorothea Lange or Walker Evans black and white photo from the Depression. I met Norm and the girls at the high school, and I was hooked. Uniontown High School, with only about 120 students, is one of the lowest income school districts in Kansas. There was no diversity in the school, never a Jew, an African-American, or even a Catholic. Yet these teens had discovered Sindler's story and told the world. I spent a week interviewing the students, their families, their teacher, community members, Holocaust survivors from Kansas City, who had taken a great interest in the play and Irina Sindler's project. My wife and I accompanied the students and comrade to Poland on their third visit in 2005. I was able to do more extensive research and interview Sindler, Holocaust scholars, and some of the children Sindler had rescued, now in their 60s and 70s. We met Elizabeta Vakowska, rescued as a six-month-old infant. Sindler had sedated her and put her in a carpenter's box. Her parents kissed their baby goodbye and left a small spoon in the box with her name inscribed on one side and her birth date on the other. It is the only memento of her parents who were murdered in Treblinka. She and I have become good friends and I have held her spoon many times, always with tears. Fakoska became one of Sindler's caregivers and the chairperson of the Association of Children of Holocaust in Poland. It was Sindler's 95th birthday when I interviewed her. She was energetic and her memory was clear and specific. She wanted to be sure that I accredited all of her network of rescuers and liaisons. She ensured that I had everyone's name spelled correctly. 
Poland was arguably the most victimized country in occupied Europe. The consequence for hiding or even feeding a Jew was execution, often in public, as a warning to other Poles. When I asked Sindler why she put herself and her family at such risk, she said, it was a need of my heart. She rejected the appellation of a hero. I only did what any decent person would do. The heroes were the babies. They were the heroes of their mother's hearts. It was the parents and the grandparents who gave up their children. They were the true heroes. She said it was her father's teaching that inspired her. If you see someone drowning, you must rescue them, even if you cannot swim. And there are only two kinds of people in the world, good and bad, regardless of race, religion, or creed. And most people are good. She lamented that she had not done enough. For every child they saved, almost 100 went to their deaths in Treblinka. Sindler has become a Polish national hero. Poles have been eager to tell their stories, in part because the Life in a Jar project stimulated Polish-Jewish dialogue, as well as scholarship about Poland during the German occupation. Although there has been a disturbing return of anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial in Poland, Sindler's story continues to be told. Yad Vashem, the World Holocaust Remembrance Center in Jerusalem, recognizes more righteous Gentiles, those who rescued out of principle, not personal gain, from Poland than from any other country in occupied Europe. In 2019, it listed 27,362 righteous Gentiles, with 6,992 from Poland, or around 26%. But because of post-war Poland's communist anti-Semitism, Polish rescuers who had received Yad Vashem medals hid them and told no one of their wartime activities. And that's truly tragic that even all of those years later, the anti-Semitism was so great still in Poland that those who had done these things that were true heroes in every sense uh, still were in hiding because of just the sheer hate, prejudice, and ignorance that still was in that country. But I believe we have seen a change um, because of the war between Ukraine and Russia and how Poland was one of the first and still one of the greatest countries to open their borders and their homes to and their country uh, to anyone, uh, to the Ukrainian refugees. So hopefully it, things are turning around there. At one performance of Life in a Jar in Warsaw, I sat beside an old man, old enough to have been an adult during the war. Throughout the performance, he sat with his hands together, clutching something inside. After the performance, I asked him about it, and he opened his hands to reveal his Yad Vashem medal. There were tears in his eyes as he explained, I have kept this buried in my basement for 60 years. I told no one except my wife. I didn't tell my children, family, friends, or co-workers. Now, because of these American students, I can show this proudly. It was the finest thing I have ever done. My first time in Warsaw was in 2005. I could find few markers of the Warsaw ghetto and no commemoration on the, of the wall. In my research for the book, I found no reference to Irina Sindler before 2000 other than by Yad Vashem, 
1965 Righteous Gentile Medal, and in 1983, a tree planted in her honor next to that of Raoul Wallenberg and the U.S. News & World Report article that launched the Kansas teens on their National History Day project. When I returned in 2013 for the release of the Polish translation of my 2011 book, Life in a Jar, the Irina Sindler Project, also translated into Russian, Chinese, and Mongolian, I saw how much had changed in Poland, where there had been no markers of the wall. Now there is a footprint, 10 inches wide, that says, Mur Ghetto, which means Ghetto Wall, 1940 through 1943 placed in sidewalks and lawns, showing the exact location of the ghetto wall. At each of the 22 gates, there is a memorial plaque with a map and description of what happened in the ghetto. There are now 35 Irene Sindler schools in Poland, three in Germany, one in France, and one in England. I have met to discuss Sindler with Poland's Deputy Foreign Secretary, Jerzy Pomianowski, given radio, TV, and print interviews, and met with a journalist from the Catholic News Agency. The Museum of History of Polish Jews in Warsaw opened in 2014, and the Lowell Milken Center Europe, a Polish office of the Irina Sendler Life in a Jar Foundation, works with Polish teens on similar projects. The project changed Poland as well as the American students who started it all. From my time with the Kansas teens, I learned that each girl knew something about losing or almost losing their own parent. Liz was abandoned by her parents as a young child and raised by her grandparents. Megan's mother developed cancer and Sabrina's mother suddenly died during the project. The girls courageously allowed me to tell their own painful stories in my book. And it became clear to me that the last three children Irina Sindler rescued were the girls from Kansas. Today, Elizabeth Cambers Hutton has two master's degrees and teaches Holocaust history in, in Missouri. Excuse me. Sabrina Coons Murphy is an elementary school teacher in Kansas. Megan Stewart Felt, the program coordinator for the Irina Sindler Life in a Jar Foundation, still works with Norm Connard to further Sindler's legacy and continues to play Sindler and performances of Life in a Jar. The story has also changed me. I am a German-American Jew, born after the war to parents who narrowly escaped the Holocaust. Others in my family did not. For the first five years of my life, I lived in Upper Manhattan in Washington Heights, an urban shuttle of German Jews who had survived the Holocaust. I didn't speak English until I was five years old. The Holocaust was a baffling but iconic story of my childhood a subject of nervous, hushed adult conversations. It was frightening, mysterious, impossible to grasp, yet everywhere it was the atmosphere. There was an awkward gracelessness on the part of those who lived through it, a furtiveness I know, uh, I now, excuse me, understand to be kind of PTSD. It was the unacknowledgeable elephant in the living room, huge but shrouded. My apologies for the brief show interruption. Are you in need of healing? I am beyond blessed and elated to be able to offer healing sessions to you. I am able to offer healing sessions at an intuitive, quantum, and or angelic level. 
The mode of healing used depends on the healing you require. We begin with a discovery call. This call lasts approximately 30 minutes. It is absolutely free and is used for us to get to know each other and explore your healing needs. After this, if you wish to continue, we will have the initial consultation call. Here I will explain to you what modes of healing I will be using, what this entails, and what to expect. This session will last one hour. The minimum donation is $20. Next is the actual healing sessions. These sessions last for one hour each. The minimum donation is $50 per session or three sessions for $100. If money is an issue for you, which it is for just about all of us, please do not hesitate to book a discovery call. Again, reminder, that is absolutely free. We can discuss during that call the minimum donation or possibly bartering, which I'm always open to. To book a session, please contact me at faithinmorepodcast at gmail.com. Bless you, and I hope to work with you soon. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I learned that my grandfather had been arrested in Kristallnacht, November 9th, 1938, and imprisoned in Dachau. My grandmother went to high school with one of the administrative guards at Dachau. He accepted a bribe from her, and my grandfather was released after six months. In 1999, my parents were interviewed as part of Steven Spielberg's Shoah project. In the course of the interview, my mother brought out her identity papers marked Jew and her nursing certificate stamped with a swastika. My brother and I had never seen these artifacts. Growing up as a child of survivors, I had a sense of mission about the Holocaust, but didn't know how that would manifest. Now in my 70s, I find that in writing Life in a Jar and speaking about it to new audiences, I am fulfilling that mission. In my talks, sponsored by Vermont's Humanities Council, I emphasize how Sindler and the girls from Kansas were repairing the world. Tikkun olam in Hebrew. Few of us would have the courage to do what Sindler did, but all of us can do what Liz, Megan, and Sabrina did, performing small acts of decency and respect for all people, acts that change the world. And that is a story as much as I could get, folks. I highly, highly recommend the book Life in a Jar. Um, it is going for, it's used, of course, on Amazon right now for $18. Um, if you have an Audible subscription, you can actually listen to the audiobook for absolutely free. I just downloaded it on Audible. No, the show is not um, supported or sponsored by Audible in the least. I wish it was. <laughs> but it's not at this time. Uh, but anyway, just from one person to the other, trying to help you guys get what you can for as less or nothing as possible. Uh, so again, what an amazing story. And again, as we see it, just how spirit works, you know, that, you know, these girls, you know, well, this teacher, you know, Mr. Kennard, you know, gives these girls this idea for this project and these girls run with it and, make a play out of it. And it becomes so much that they're able to track her down. They're able to track Irina down in Warsaw, Poland, you know, under her new name, not under her old name. Um, and, and get this story out. You know, at that time, Irina, as it said, was living in poverty, you know, with her, uh, her in-laws. It's like, 
wow, that's truly tragic. And I, again, I haven't started the book yet. I plan to do so after <laughs> I record the show. Uh, but I pray that her life had changed, that her social status had changed to where someone, anyone, even if it was the Polish government kicked in and helped get her a place of her own and take care of her until her, her passing at the amazing young age of 98 years young. With infinite thanks, blessings, and love to Spirit for you know bringing uh, Irina to my attention and for us to have this show. Um, I mean, just from A to Z, it's it's such a sad but beautiful story. Um, that you know, it is tragic that she wasn't able to save everyone, but she saved you know two thousand five hundred children who definitely would have been killed. And that's 2,500 lives that got to live because of what Irina and, and the people um, of her group, Zagoda, were able to do. And, you know, it's great to see that one of the people that she helped, one of the children that was six months old that she helped, um, was actually a caretaker at some time for Irina. It's tragic, though, that the poor girl was not able to be reunited with her family because they were killed. They were they were killed in the Holocaust, as so many were. And, you know, although we look back now and say, well, you know, that was the past, um, anti-Semitism is still rampant, and not only in the United States, but in the world. Um, and not just anti-Semitism against Jews, but, you know, um, prejudice against anyone who isn't our faith. And you even see this in churches where people are going against each other because, you know, this person doesn't believe what I believe. And I mean, that's one of the goals of this show is to try to help awaken everyone to the essential thing, which is love. And to understand that the creator created everything, creates everything and sustains everything that in that includes the religions that aren't yours. And that even though these people believe in something you don't believe, or you believe in things they don't believe, this doesn't make them any less of a child of the creator than you. And it's something that we all have to so, so work on because the darkness just literally devours this and loves this so much that you're like, oh, well, that's a, she's, or he is a good person, but, you know, they're just, they don't believe in Jesus, or they don't believe in this, or they don't believe in the Holy Mother, or they don't believe in Allah, or they don't believe in Krishna, or, you know, and it just goes, it's infinite. It goes on and on and on, and it's just wrong on so many infinite levels, and it's a cancer. It really is. It's a disease. It's a cancer that will just literally devour you. And it does everything to suppress your spirit, your soul, what it truly is. And it does everything to suppress and silence you from becoming what you were supposed to do in this lifetime. As we recently saw, spoke about on a show about us in our knowing what our souls and our spirits you know, our, our higher self, whatever you want to label it, is here to do. This kind of cancer will just literally eat that up. 
to where you will sit and set in your ways for your entire life and privately or openly just hate on everyone that is not you, everyone that doesn't believe what you are or what you believe. And as we've talked about infinitely on the show, long-time listeners should know this, is that no one can possibly believe what you believe because we all see and experience things differently. You know, as the uh, disclaimer at the beginning of the show, the ISEs, individual spiritual experiences will vary. They do. Everyone experiences something different through the lens of their mind, through their conditioning. But it doesn't mean that we can't work on that. We can't overcome that. We can't love everyone regardless of what their beliefs are. All of that is beliefs. All of that is is human, only human deep. What we all are spiritually, our spirit, our soul, our higher self, our nefesh, again, whatever you want to label that, is beyond, beyond all of that. It is pure and essentially from the Creator. So when we're looking at other people and we're judging them, keep that in mind, more so keep that in heart, that what you are judging is a creation of the Creator, is a fellow spirit, soul, higher self, nefesh, again, whatever you want to label it, just like you, just like what you are. And we need to try to Start working through this and stop judging and stop hating people that are different from us, things that we don't understand. Again, something I always emphasize on the show is education. Educate yourself. Why are you afraid? And that's what anger and hate comes from, is from fear. What are you afraid of, of these people, of their faith? Do you know anything about it? Do you know anything about your faith? You know, I, I know many, many people who love to use their faith as a weapon, but yet they don't even know what their faith is. They truly do not know. And they don't spend time studying it, referencing it. They just are going based on their conditioning, what they've been taught, how they've been raised, what their culture tells them, what their pastor or priest or, um, you know, person from a synagogue or mosque teaches them and tells them. They just go solely based on that. And that, if you learn anything from this show, is so, so utterly wrong. And we can change this, folks. We really can. Look at what these three girls, which I've also heard four, look at what these girls did, these teenage girls did. By one act of what they did together, how it not only changed their lives, changed the lives of people in their community. It changed Irina's life. It changed her country. It literally changed the world to varying degrees. You, as this article says, you can do the very same. There's also a Hallmark movie about her life called The Courageous Heart of Irina Sindler. Um, I found it on Amazon. You can watch it on Amazon for $8 or you can buy the DVD for $10. I'll have a link 
uh, to the DVD in the show description. And some of you may ask, well, hey, she was Catholic. What about that? Well, where is she at on the saint chart? She's not. And I looked as best as I could. If any of you find out anything, please let me know so I can share it with everybody else. Is she up for sainthood? I couldn't find anything, nothing on her as far as her being recognized um, for the paperwork being processed or even beginning for her sainthood. But by gosh, she should be. She should be. So that, my brothers and sisters, is this week's show. Please don't click off yet because we have our prayers and updates, which are so important and so essential. Please listen to those. And right after that, we'll have a really quick uh, prayer and blessing. The Oblates of Perpetual Light is the first of its kind. We are the very first group of Oblates to fully utilize the internet to organize and communicate. This allows everyone and anyone to join from all over the world. The Oblates of Perpetual Light are inclusive, meaning everyone is welcome regardless of their beliefs, faith, identification, gender, sexual preference, etc. We are independent, meaning that we are not affiliated with any church other than being connected with the Faith and More Ministries, and we are trans-denominational. We are not affiliated with any one religion. We greatly respect the beliefs and freedoms of others. We are all children of the universe. Only four things are required of any obligated perpetual light. The first, study and contemplate some sacred texts of your faith at least once a day. It's up to you how much you study and contemplate. It can be as little as a sentence or as much as you wish. You choose when, where, and how long. Number two is prayer. Prayer is key in the heart of the Oblate's perpetual light. It is imperative that an Oblate pray sometime during the day or night. Again, this is up to you to choose when, where, and for how long. The Oblates will gather together online, typically Zoom, at least once a month. There is also a Facebook group where Oblates can meet and commune more often if they choose. There are Oblates who are very social and there are Oblates who are very private. All are respected. If you are more private and or ascetic, you will need to keep in contact with the director of Oblates, moi, privately. Number four love and respect all members regardless of their faith we are here as a group not just as individuals everyone's faith beliefs views etc will be respected bullying hate attacks and etc will not be tolerated if this all sounds kosher and great to you and you would like to become a member of the oblates perpetual light please contact me our director at oblates.pl at gmail.com. Again, that's oblates, O-B-L-A-T-E-S dot P-L at gmail.com. I hope to see you as an oblate very soon. This week's prayer request and updates are as follows. Haven, Clint, Wyatt, and his family, Bill and Joanne, Emily, Jonathan, and their family, Kayla, Terry, Denise, Stephanie, Katie, Sarah, and Kia, Elaine, and Bob. Also, Elaine is having issues with the uh, blood work 
um, not coming back right. Uh, she just went the other day to have blood work done again. So let us please keep her in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. Clyde, Lisa, and her family, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwen, Octavia, Trish, Chad, and their family, Bishop Beckley and his family, Brother Abel, Mike S. Kelly and their family, and also Mike S. Kelly and their family lost a beloved uh, fur baby this week. So please keep them close in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Uh, Michael, Shelly, Leah, and their family, Tanya and her family, Cheryl, Father Mike, Eddie, and Eddie's mother, Becky, Emma, Jean, Kathy, Tony, and their family, Michael T., Kyra and her family, Jan, James, and Linda. And if you are in need of prayers, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information is at the end of the show, at the end of every show. I love to pray, and those who listen to the show, our faith and more family, love to pray as well. So let us pray for you. For this week's closing prayer and blessing, I will be reciting the Anna Bacolk prayer. Uh, it is A N A. B-E-K-O-A-C-H, for anyone that's interested in looking it up. Let us pray. Please answer us with great power of your loving kindness. Free the bound. Accept the songful prayer of your people. Raise us up. Purify us, awesome one. Please, great one, protect like the pupil of your eye those who seek your oneness. Bless them. Purify them. Have mercy on them. Bestow your righteousness on them always. All-powerful Holy One, guide your community in your abundant goodness. One and only, exalted one, enlighten your people who remember your holiness. Accept our prayer. Hear our cry, knower of secrets. Blessed is the name and God's glorious majesty forever and ever. Amen. I so hope and pray you've enjoyed the show and that you've found everything that you're searching for and more here with us. Stop by anytime, all the time. You are family. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with as many people as possible. Subscribe, rate, and review. And if you really enjoyed the show, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show and the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash faithandmorepodcast. Next is prayers. I love to pray and our Faith and More family love to pray as well. So let us pray for you. You can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. I am also offering healing sessions now that involve angelic, intuitive, and quantum healing. This is done via phone or Zoom. Due to the scope, energy, and time involved in this type of healing, there is a minimum donation required. Please contact me for more information at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please don't forget about our YouTube channel. There's lots of great videos there, and it gives you more of an immersive experience. Just go to youtube.com slash at faithandmorepodcast. So until next time, have a most blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. Bless you.